0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. People say we inevitably become our parents, but what weight does that carry when one of your parents is a serial killer? Join Melissa Jesperson Moore on Happy Face as she travels back into her past searching for insight into her father's crimes. Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Willie's podcast is brought to you by
2: Countertops and Cabinetry by Design. Cunningham here. When it comes to your home, you want the best quality for the best price. Countertops and Cabinetry by Design is the best. Get new countertops installed in as little as two weeks online at cacbydesign.com.
3: This is a special podcast presentation from 700wlw.com. This is Bill Cunningham on Demand, Willie. to you by Choice Hotels. Econo Lodge and Roadway Inn Hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only, Bill Cunningham.
2: Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American. Good to have you with me this evening. Many things to discuss. Many great guests coming up later on. I tend to backload my guests because many are on the left coast, and I wanted to give them more time later in the evening to put them on. But uh, the uh, Jesse Smollett things continue to percolate. Uh, the NAACP awards, N A C not NCAA, the NAACP awards did not give Jesse Smollett any uh, any sugar Friday or Saturday night, nor did he deserve any because what he did, you know, he wasn't the victim of a hate crime. He committed a hate crime by wanting to accuse an entire race of people. Of violence against him because he wanted to foment some sort of racial hatred between blacks and whites, between straight and gay. That, that was his goal. Jesse Smollett clearly wanted to target individuals based upon their skin color, that is white Americans, and also upon their political beliefs, mega hat wearers, people that supported Trump, and those who are straight. So isn't that the definition of a hate crime when you target a whole group of people based upon their race? Yes. So instead of Being the victim of a hate crime, Jesse Smollett committed a hate crime, but, of course, he won't be charged with it. Plus, we had more of the charade watching some of the Sunday morning talk shows today. Chris Wallace embarrassed himself at Fox News by talking about the marriage, a marriage going astray with George Conway and and, and Kelly. And and so I, I didn't see how it was. You know, Chris Wallace is a reporter who generally I have great feeling and respect for, but I think he thoroughly embarrassed himself this morning by uh, referring to a marriage when that's none of his business, what's happening inside of a marriage with uh, Kellyanne. and, And I didn't understand why he did it. He embarrassed himself. It wasn't good. It was bad. It was ugly. He should not have done it. And by doing so, he kind of embarrassed himself instead of dealing with the issues, as Chris Wallace often does. This morning on Fox News, he really did not deal with the issues. He got into personal salacious materials, which I thought were Completely inappropriate. So we'll move on from that. And uh, we wish everyone in the White House, that what they have to go through is incredible. Almost, almost every morning, the president is being crucified by the mainstream media and by Democrats, even though he's been found innocent of so many things. It doesn't make any difference, does it? He wants to cruci he is crucified almost on a daily basis, and he's the only one standing in the way of what the Democrats and AOC and others want to do. That's why I have great respect for what the president and what the president is doing, what the president continues to do. And I hope the president continues to do what he's doing despite the enormous difficulties he's having. You know, Democrats, all the Democrats ever play are home games in front of a friendly crowd with officials bought and paid for by the home team. The Republicans are always on the road. The Republicans always have difficulties ahead of them. But uh, the Democrats always play in front of a very friendly gym with uh, lots of cheering fans. And the officials, the, the referees, are all there more or less to protect the Democrats. And that is never the case with a Republican who fights and fights and fights and has to win clearly everything in order to win it all. Even on election night. When the Republicans were winning a lot of congressional seats, especially in California, the uh, the late voting after Election Day was so strong that the Democrats won and the Republicans lost, something I fully do not understand, but that's the way it is. Republicans are always playing away games, and the Democrats are always playing the big-time home games. And the Democrats uh, always have it much easier in the media than Republicans. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be, and nothing we can do about it. You must also ignore it and just move on. One other thought. We, we watch the so-called pencil-neck geek Adam Schiff constantly talking about the attack on our democracy. AOC and others compare it to uh, 9-11, or they compare it to Pearl Harbor, some other generation. And so if this is the case, if we were attacked by the Russians, and I, I live in Ohio, we're the, uh, we're the greatest uh, prize by Democrat or Republican. Every Democrat wants to win Ohio. If a Democrat wins Ohio, they win the presidency. If a Republican loses Ohio, that Republican, of course, cannot win the presidency. No matter what it is, it's ugly. It's ugly. It's got to be one way or another. You either win Ohio if you're a Democrat, then you win the presidency, or you lose Ohio if you're a Republican, in which case you lose the presidency. During the entire 2016 election, I do not recall one Russian, anytime, place, anywhere, doing a damn thing to get my vote here in the state of Ohio. It simply did not happen. It did not transpire. It simply is false. It's a lie. Completely did not happen. So, uh, but we're told that we were attacked, viciously, viciously attacked on uh, on election day and during the campaign in 2016. Now, if you were attacked, why didn't the president of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, do something about it? He was well aware of the Kremlin operation. In fact, the Washington Post did a story in 2017 that a year before the 2016 election, the Obama intelligence services were notified. Repeatedly, the Russians would try, as they've done since 1960, to affect the outcome of our election. What what they did was spend about $100,000 on social media ads originating in some bot factory, in Western Russia. Now, what impact did those bots have on the Ohio vote? My producer says, Danny Gleason says, it changed his ballot completely. He was gonna vote, in fact, he was gonna vote for Hillary. But then he read all these bots on Facebook, bots, from some factory in Russia and he flipped completely. In reality, that didn't happen. But the Democrats want you to believe that we were viciously under assault, under attack, In the uh, 2016 election, which consisted of a whole bunch of bots in social media. Now, do you recall one time reading, seeing, or hearing anything about Russian bots in your... If you live in Texas, live in California, Florida, wherever you live, were you influenced whatsoever by Russian bots during the 2016 election? Raise your hand. I see none. I don't see anybody raising their hand. Do you, Danny? I see nobody. That means it was completely irrelevant. But assuming it happened, assuming they wanted to impact the election and tip the whole thing toward Trump, which I have some question about because Hillary would have dealt much more softly with Russia than Trump is dealing with Russia. Nonetheless, what did Obama do during this vicious attack, similar to 9-11? The answer is nothing. Nothing. He did zero Zilch Nada before the election. Reporters like Michael Isakoff says that uh, Obama did not want to do anything because it feared it would spark a public outrage. What the hell's that? He also president quote President Obama did not want to be perceived as interfering in the election himself on behalf of Hillary Clinton, unquote. That is a bunch of crap because he did interfere. He spied the Obama administration officials appointed by Barack Hussein Obama spied on the Trump campaign, on the Trump transition, and on the early months of the Trump presidency. That's what they did. They spied comp- often. And, and so when Obama says, well, I didn't want to interfere in the election, when he did interfere, that was a bunch of crap. If Obama really had concerns that Russia might be working with members of the Trump campaign to influence the outcome of the election. It is curious that his administration failed to coordinate with candidate Trump to investigate the FBI suspicions and take any steps that might be necessary to rid his campaign of Russian saboteurs. They had ample opportunity to do so because there were high-level intelligence briefings given to all presidential nominees during the campaign as part of the transition process. So during those high-level communications from the Obama presidency to the Trump campaign, they had numerous opportunities to whisper in the Donald's ear and say, look, we have suspicions the Russians are trying to infiltrate your campaign. They didn't do it one time, not once, because it didn't happen. Instead, Obama administration officials issued vague warnings to Trump and Clinton to be on the lookout for Russian infiltrators. So... And the White House finally condemned Russia in October, about a month before the election, despite having been aware of Putin's operation for many months. So think about that. If, in fact, you would compare the activities of Russia in July, August, September, October, November to 9-11, what did George Bush 43 do about 9-11? All all hell broke loose. So if this was similar to 9-11, what did Obama do? Essentially, nothing, zero, zilch. Unbelievable. The Obama administration, according to the Washington Post, received multiple warnings from national security officials between 2014 and 2016 that Kremlin was ramping up its intelligence operations when the intent of influence the election. Number one, they didn't influence the election. But number two, they were trying to do it. And the first retaliation against Moscow did not come until after Trump was elected. So the whole thing is a farce and a joke. Why didn't Obama respond to an attack on our nation if it really was an attack? It's because there wasn't an attack that was perceptible. And if there was an attack, if there was infiltration, the duty of Obama was to inform Trump what was going on so Trump could help stop it. But he didn't want to do that. Why? Because they were actively spying on the campaign at that point, trying to get dirt to release to friendly media types in October to jettison, to destroy the Trump candidacy. Failing that, which it did fail, their best hope was the Billy Bush tape, Access Hollywood, that NBC held in secret for 11 years to drop Andrew Locke, president of NBC, in coordination with the Clinton campaign, dropped that just before the third debate, which had the subterfuge of destroying the campaign of Billy Bush, but also had the impact, they thought, of electing Hillary Clinton. The Access Hollywood tape dropped by NBC in coordination with the Hillary Clinton campaign, and it didn't work. So the whole thing has proven to be a farce. Of course, the other big issue happening right now is the southern border, which is truly unbelievable. Every three or four times a month, I have on with you immigration officials who talk about what's going on, and uh, I'll get some on in a week or two. But what's happening on the southern border right now is absurd. 100,000 illegals. Per month, this year, well over 1 million from Central America. We don't have the capacity. It's not scaled to do any of this. We cannot provide 100,000 hearings a month. We don't have 100,000 courtrooms extra. We don't have 100,000 judges extra. We don't have the capacity. Nothing is scaled in this fashion to handle this. And if the president shuts down the southern border, what does that actually mean? I don't know what it means. That's already illegal activity happening. The illegals will still find holes in the fence, which are hundreds of miles wide, to come across anyway. Uh, it might have the impact of punishing the Mexican economy, which I think would be a great deal. Hurt them as much as possible. We don't have a functioning government. We don't have a functioning nation. If we have one million plus illegals storming our border every year without the capability anywhere of handling the influx. And we've got more coming up. Later on, we have Kevin Jackson of the Black Sphere, live from St. Louis. Later on is Julie Gunlock, Independent Women's Forum. And I have a guest who's written a book about all the hoaxes when it comes to race-slash-gender-slash-sexual orientation crimes that are reported but never actually convicted, because it's a political act by groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a fraudulent organization, completely fraudulent. Keep track of these things. So Let's continue with more if a line becomes available which it never does the uh number to call is 866-647-7337
0: hey guys it is Ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 866-647-7337. 20 minutes after the hour. Bill Cunningham, the Great American, live with you every Sunday night. Billy Cunningham. One last thing about the incapability of the media to actually objectively report the truth. Because if there was an attack on our nation in the 2016 election, the guy in charge of the presidency should have responded to the attack. Would you agree? Did FDR respond to the attack on Pearl Harbor? Did Bush respond to the attack on 9-11? Did Obama respond to the attack in 2016? Hell no. So how about blaming the guy in charge instead of the guy coming in? Nonetheless... One other sidelight of this whole Mueller-Russian collusion delusion is what did Mueller know and when did he know it? I strongly suspect that Rod Rosenstein and Robert Mueller and the FBI knew very early on that there was no there there. That there was no Russian collusion delusion. And I reference an email between uh, Stroke and Page, Peter Stroke and Lisa Page, the star-crossed lovers, A message was sent on May the 19th, 2017, two days after Mueller was appointed to the special counsel position. Peter Stroke, the uh, uh, destroyed, uh, debased FBI official, wrote, quote, writing to Lisa Page, quote, You and I both know the odds are nothing. If I thought it was likely, I'd be there, no question. I hesitate in part because of my gut sense and concern. There's no big there, there, unquote. Now, how would Peter Stroke and Lisa Page know? They were wiretapping the Trump campaign in real time. So they knew as the conversations were being recorded, as the moles and spies were reporting in real time daily, that there was no connection, no collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. They knew it. And so in May of 2017, they wrote each other saying, well, we both know there's no there there. So why did Mueller spend almost two years looking for something that everyone knew didn't exist? Why did he stretch it out so long? Did he want to stretch it past the November 2018 elections? Absolutely. He wanted to keep the game going. The game was valuable. We know FBI attorneys, Lisa Page's testimony They had no evidence in collusion in July 2016, nor did they have any by May of 2017, when Rod Rosenstein made the decision to appoint Mueller. So over that, what, almost one-year period, they knew there was no there there. So what the hell was Mueller investigating? Justifying what? To get to 2018? To give the Democrats the House and maybe the Senate? What did Robert Mueller know and when did he know it? I'd like to find out at some point from Mueller. You knew, he certainly knew, well before November of 2018, that there was no Russian collusion. It was a delusion. So why didn't he report that? Did he want to elect Democrats to the House and the Senate to keep the lie going? I hope so. I hope so. But in reality, uh, that that's what happened. The House flips completely to the Democrats. The Republicans pick up two Senate seats. And they had to keep the lie going. They wanted to keep it going in 2020. And even though the truth has come out, the Democrats act as if it didn't come out because they want to keep the lie going. And now, now the the motive of the Democrats, even though there was no Russian collusion, delusion, plus no obstruction, that doesn't make any difference. Impeach him anyway. The goal is to get him removed from office. If somehow that clown, Beto O'Rourke, takes the presidency, or God forbid Kamala Harris, or Bernie Sanders, Think what the stock market would do. Think what a benefit that would be to Russia and China. Someone like Bernie Sanders in charge. Think about the southern border under Bernie Sanders, AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Beto O'Rourke, maybe as secretary of health and human services and homeland security. Put that whole crew, put the socialists in charge of the federal government with Democrats in charge of the House and the Senate. What's going to happen to our nation? Man, are you kidding me? Let's take a short break. We'll continue. I see I have a call from Tom about the movie Unplanned. I ask this question to those who believe in abortion. Just answer the question in the solitude of your own head. Does abortion stop the heart of a developing baby in the womb? Does abortion kill the baby? Does abortion stop a baby's beating heart? Yes or no? Yes. What is that? If you stop the beating heart of a baby, what is that? I went to a family function tonight, held on my arms a baby that was 30 days old. 30 days old. Not, much, not dissimilar to late-term abortions. The child of 30 days only weighed 9 pounds, the one I was holding, a little baby. H- how do you look at that baby and kill that baby in the womb? How do you do that? A- answer the question. Does abortion stop the beating heart of a baby? Yes or no? Let's continue. If the line becomes available, we'll take some calls. 866-647-7337. Bill Cunningham, The Great American, live with you every Sunday night. All right, Billy Cunningham, the great American. I want to congratulate Kellyanne Conway for lighting up Chris Wallace this morning with an inappropriate question. The uh, Chris Wallace, who generally on Fox News Sunday does a pretty good job, deemed it, uh, according to Kellyanne Conway, inappropriate when he quizzed her on the uh, quality of her marriage and whether George Conway her husband's criticisms of the president are uh, affecting the marriage. Kellyanne snapped back. It's inappropriate. What are you, Oprah? What am I on a couch? And you're a psychiatrist. I think it's really an inappropriate question, and here's why. That's the line over which no one should cross. So if you want to talk about policy issues, policy disagreements, the fact that George Conway, my husband, would prefer that I not work in the White House, I guess you can ask those questions. The president has weighed in. I've weighed in. But now you're asking a personal question. I would say to you, you should go ask it of many people. I see messy lives living in glass houses all over both cities in which you now I live. So thank you, Kellyanne Conway, for lighting up Chris Wallace with a clearly inappropriate question he would never ask, by the way, a male. Wouldn't ask it. Now, why Kellyanne Conway is married to George is beyond me. I mean, George Conway wanted to work in the White House and was turned down. Nonetheless, to ask someone, public official like Kellyanne Conway, about the quality of her marriage, how's it going at home, is something he would never ask a man, and he should be embarrassed by such things. And lastly, before I take calls... Uh, You know, everybody's got something. Yours truly, about seven, eight years ago, was diagnosed with a bicuspid aortic valve, which I said to my cardiologist at the time, still my cardiologist, Dr. Uh, Karyakis, I said, uh, Dean, what is a bicuspid aortic valve? And he said, well, most human beings like you, uh, referring to you, not me, have three leaflets or flaps. You have two. So he said, the probability is down the road, you're going to have to have it replaced. And I said, well, you know, I've run marathons. I did New York twice. I did Bermuda, done Honolulu twice, did the flying pig in Cincinnati. And he said, no, you're going to need it replaced because you know, no matter how much you work and what you weigh and what you eat, that has nothing to do with your aortic valve. And uh, about three months ago, I had some shortness of breath. I went in for another, I was scheduled for an echocardiogram anyway, So I went in and got it, and he said, yeah, it's time to replace your aortic valve. And I said, Doc, uh, what if I don't have it replaced? Because, damn it, I feel so good. I'm full of energy and life, and I'm playing golf. I have a two handicap. He says, well, in about six to nine months, you'll be dead. And I looked at him. I said, what do you mean, dead? He said, you're going to die. And I said, what do you mean, die? And he said, well, uh, at some point, you're Aortic valve will not open at all. The blood will be in your heart. The blood won't come out of your heart, and uh, your heart will go into an arrhythmia, a fast beating. At some point, it'll, within five to ten minutes, it'll stop, and then you'll be dead. And I said, give me my options. And you got option A and B. I said, what's option A? Traditionally, it's open-heart surgery. We crack open. Your, we open up your sternum, a sternonectomy, open it up, and go into your heart and we uh, open up your aorta. We stop your heart, stop your lungs, and about a four-hour surgery, we clean out the valve, the aortic valve, and then what we do is put in a, uh, a pig, generally a cow valve, put that in, and uh, four hours later, we uh, get the paddles on either side of your heart, Here we, we jolt it. 1% of the time, the heart doesn't start, other 99% it does, and your heart and lungs take you off the heart-lung machine, you go into intensive care for three or four days in the hospital. About a week, you go home, and about a month, month or two later, you go back to work. And I said, "Well, Doctor uh what is B? If that's Plan A, what's Plan B?" He said, "Plan B is something called TAVR, Transcatheter Aortic Valve Replacement." I said, "Well, Doc, what's that?" He said, "We well, go up your femoral artery and your gro- and your groin with the Sapien three valve, and we go up into your heart, and it takes about an hour." And uh, we don't open your chest. In fact, we don't even put a stitch in your groin. And uh, we keep you in intensive care for about a day, release you within a day or two. You go home, back to work in a week. I said, so plan A is open-heart surgery, and plan B is TAVR, T-A-V-R, transcatheter aortic valve replacement. I said, I'll take B. So later this week, I have planned at the Ohio Heart Center, and Dr. Kariakis, I have great confidence in him. He's done about 1,000 of these. And I'm going to be in this uh, trial, so to speak. And if things go well, uh, I will have this done. And I'll be uh, back to work in about a week or ten days after that. So next Sunday, uh, I will not be with you. There will be a sub here. Then, God willing, uh, two weeks from this Sunday, I'll be back with you on the air. And I say this to you. I ask for your prayers. I ask for your confidence. And if you're a Catholic, I ask, maybe light a candle for me, maybe even a $2 candle. Uh, things go well. Everybody has something. I've been blessed with the body that I've had. I've never spent a night in a hospital, never been to the ER in my life. I'm 71 years old, never done any of that stuff. And so this thing is, after all my heart caths and respiratory tests and uh, another uh, echo and blood test and urine tests, went through four days of testing to get ready for this thing. Uh, my, my blood pressure is 120 over 60. My heart beats 62 times a minute there's no thick, thickening of the walls in my heart whatsoever. And uh, he said, once we replace this, the, the, the aortic valve, which is about the size of a, maybe about the size of a nickel, maybe almost a quarter, it, it uh, ejects all the heart for, all, all the blood for your whole body. Once we do this, you'll have more energy, more excitement, you'll feel better. I said, Doc, I feel good. I really do. He said, no, you're going to feel better. He said, he said Willie, you're going to have a lot more energy. I said, Doc, I think I have energy. Danny, do I have any energy? My producer said, yeah, I got energy. But he said, no, you're, you're gonna, you don't won't believe how good. I said, well, I feel pretty good now. So I was apprehensive about going through the surgery at all because I feel so damn good. So then at the echo, he showed me that instead of my aortic valve opening up about the size of a nickel, it's opening up right now about one-eighth of an inch. And I'm looking at this thing on the screen. I said, one-eighth of an inch. He said, out of that little eighth of an inch, comes the blood for your entire body, and your heart is beating. The The flow and the speed is determined by an echo. And he said, you may not realize it yet, but you're going to have more energy and feel much better. Your two handicap will become one, which is where it belongs anyway. So I said, I'll do it. So I've gone through all the testing, have high confidence later this week. I'll be at the Christ Hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they've done about 1,000 tavers. And uh, I'm great confidence in Dr. Dean Kariakas and his staff, Dr. Griffin and, and Dr. O'Sweeney and some others. And uh, he said the whole operation will be one hour. You'll be in, in recovery. But I will not be able to be with you next Sunday. I have a sub coming in. But then, God willing, I'll be with you two weeks from tonight. And all I'm asking is for your prayers and good tidings. Uh, at the end of this week, I'm going to have it done. And if you want to go on my Twitter account, I'm going to update my Twitter account. Uh, Two or three hours after surgery, I'm going to be Twittering out what's going on. And uh, if you want to write it down or go online, it's it's at Willie, W-I-L-L-I-E, W-I-L-L-I-E, 700, the letters, I'm sorry, the number 700, W-L-W, at Willie, 700 W-L-W. And if you go on my Twitter account, I'm going to update you at the end of this week telling you uh, what's going on and hopefully good tidings all I'm asking is your prayers that's all I'm it's all I'm asking for
0: and I- hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: I'm blessed. I'm happy. I'm good. Uh, I went to a Catholic priest today to get the rights of the sick or whatever it is. But oddly enough, this is why I'm kind of resisting to do this. Because I feel so damn good. Even my wife of some 50 years tells me that you're good. I said, I know I'm good. I got energy. I got excitement. I walk like crazy. I don't feel it, but he says that I will. And having seen all my test results, and I firmly believe this is this is what I have to do. And uh, in fact, uh, you don't even get a stitch in your groin. And when you have TAVR when done properly, and as I said, Dr. Kariakis has done nearly a thousand that uh, with great results. That uh, it's about a one-hour procedure, and you go home the next day. And I said, I am blessed to live in a time like this, that these things can be done. Open-heart surgery is not like it used to be, but still it's not good when they stop your heart, stop your lungs, take three to four hours, do whatever. And this other procedure, which began in like 2003, then in earnest in 2011, and uh, it's now the trials have been approved by, by Medicare and the insurance companies, et cetera, the last four or five years. And uh, it's wonderful what's happening and the science that we have. And I'm blessed to have what I have. Everybody's got something. You got something or you will have something. Your family member, your husband, your wife, your kids, your grandparents. Everybody, nobody gets out of here shot in the back of their head at the age of 92 by a jealous husband. Everybody along the way of their life has something going on. And this is my small burden to carry. And I feel very confident with a great result. I'm at the right team, at the right place, in the right city, at the right time, with the right uh, Ohio heart surgery team and they're ready to go at the end of this week. So if you want to find out uh, in real time what's happening to yours truly, at Willie, W-I-L-L-I-E 700, W-L-W, and then I'll be reporting to you in real time within an hour or two after surgery. Give me a couple hours uh, after I get my, my cow. And this may stop me from eating any more hamburgers or steak, uh, but nonetheless, uh, some cow is gonna give his or her life for my little valve. He said, my other three valves in my heart are great, and uh, the blood pressure is great, and the heartbeat is strong. And just that little nickel-sized valve needs to be replaced, and I'm confident it will be done well. So let's continue. Get back to the issues. We have Tom in Detroit. We have Sherry in Memphis. We have Bob in Cleveland. We have calls from Florida, Wyoming, and California. Bill Cunningham, the voice of the common man and woman, live with you every Sunday night. (sighs) Now let's continue. Billy Cunningham, the great American, coming up in about 45 minutes or so is Kevin Jackson, of the Black Sphere from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, about what's going on with Jesse Smollett and also Jesse Jackson, who's now defending Jesse Smollett and more. And now let's go to the telephone calls. Tom in Detroit, Michigan, the home of my good friend Dan Gilbert. And Tom in Detroit, Michigan, welcome to the Bill Cunningham Show. Tom, go ahead
4: keep in my prayers next weekend thank Say, you god, thank you god will be with you i mean the purpose of my call is to encourage anybody to go see the movie unplanned yes but particularly to encourage anybody that's pro-choice or undecided to go see it okay the movie is excellent it's well written to the point and it clearly exposes planned parenthood for what it is
2: well sure and you know planned parenthood is always locating and black and poor communities because the founder was a racist who wanted to kill black people. And here we are about 90 years later, and her, the organization she founded, Planned Parenthood, is killing about 1.5 million babies every year. And, Tom, I ask you the question, does abortion stop the beating heart of a baby?
4: Yes. Yes. If you, can see the, if you can see the eyes move, yes. okay, or the feet move, it's alive. Uh, okay, I wholeheartedly I, I so agree with you.
2: I, I don't think it's asparagus. I don't think it's a couch. I, I don't think it's a collection of uh, uh, of DNA. It is a baby, not yet born, incapable of caring for him or herself. Uh, I mentioned uh, about an hour ago, about uh, two hours ago, we had a family dinner. I held in my arms a one-month-old baby boy who weighed, who weighed about nine pounds at this point. Little, little thing, and I'm thinking this is the size of babies murdered in their third trimester in this country. They say 17 percent or so a third tri- trimester. That's about 200,000 babies a year in the third trimester. And then the governor Northup of uh, Northam of uh, Virginia thinks that even if the baby is born, the mother needs to have a conversation with her doctor about what to do with a baby born outside the body, living in the world. And uh, the Democratic governor of Virginia says, let's have a conversation about what to do about the baby when the baby's born.
4: Or well, John Kasich, he'll be talking sure. Bill heart. Okay, I know what he is, but I mean.
2: How about a beating heart with two eyeballs, brain activities, human organs, growing inside the mother's womb and capable of surviving outside but that is a baby and, and certainly at the 5th 6th month the baby can survive outside the womb but so what some of us couldn't survive outside anyway with weather conditions you can't sur- we all live together does abortion stop a beating baby's heart well, beating I mean, a heart's baby and the answer is yes
4: there's a part of the movie okay, where Abby Johnson is told by her supervisor okay, she is comparing abortion to a fast food restaurant in the sense that, I mean, they break even on the sandwich, but what they are making the money on is the soft drink and the fries, and she's comparing the fee to Sabby Johnson to the fries and the soft drink, telling her that's what's paying for your four weeks vacation, that's what's paying your salary, that's what's paying for your health insurance. I've never seen... It. I mean, I know the issue, okay, I've been following live action for several years online But if even half of their audience is pro-choice, gay, or even undecided, gay, there'll be a tremendous difference involved.
2: Well, Margaret Sanger created uh, Planned Parenthood to kill as many black babies as is possible. She was a virulent racist, and she locates Planned Parenthood generally in black communities in order to kill more black babies. And it's happening, and you have the Hollywood left going crazy at Georgia right now. Uh, for not getting all these tax credits in Georgia, and and I, I watched uh, Frederico Whitfield this afternoon on CNN in between the basketball, talking to some Hollywood leftists about how this is a woman's invading a woman's body and woman's right to choose. Well, uh, you don't have the right to choose killing somebody. That's not a choice.
4: Right. I mean, you know, love both of them.
2: Well, adoption is a wonderful thing, and uh, how any human being can sit there on abortion and stand at the table. And watch this dismembered baby parts come out of the womb, and scalded is beyond me. How someone is, can do that, I don't understand.
4: It is despicable. Okay, I mean, the movie is very emotional. It would be very easy to leave that theater in tears. I'd caution your audience for that.
2: And, Tom, the other thing, is doing quite well. It made $7 million the last two really? days. Yeah, if you... Good. I forget what website I was looking at. It might have been Breitbart. Let me see if that's it. I... I was getting ready for tonight's show, and I, you know, I go about fifteen or twenty websites, and one of them had the breakdown of uh, the movie receipts over the weekend, and this Good. one's doing very well, which is surprising because it's not really an uplifting movie, shall we say, but uh, nonetheless, I, it's doing very well.
4: I think it's an like absolutely despicable number of networks that won't even take advertising. Of course for not.
2: It. Of course yeah. not.
4: That, that in and of itself says something for the network. It raises serious questions to the Hallmark Channel or Lifetime, but, I mean, a number of other channels, but the fact that they won't even accept advertising from it? Something is clearly wrong with that picture, Bill.
2: Something is... Well, I, I don't know how those who support such things go on national television and say this is about a woman's right to choose to kill her baby and somehow we have to defend it, and somehow that uh, this is not the murder of the most innocent among us, but they get away with it. It happens, and and I'm waiting to see. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for abortion, but I know those who have killed 1.5 million a year over the past 45 years, we're talking about 70 million deaths. Uh, I don't know how anyone can justify that. How anyone works for Planned Parenthood is something beyond my capability to grasp. I don't get it.
4: Planned Parenthood exploits young women in a very... Vulnerable, confused time in their life.
2: To make money. Make a lot of money.
4: All for the sake of money.
2: And they donate that money only to Democrats.
4: I know, I know. To keep the money coming. Look at OpenSecrets.org if you want to see what some of their donors are. It's absolutely despicable.
2: Well, I just hope it's different. And uh, here it is. It says Breakout. uh, Breakout box office hit pro-life film unplanned. Edges out Captain Marvel. I don't know about Captain Marvel, but this movie is uh, doing quite well, and I hope it makes $100 million. hope we have more of it. But, uh, all right, let's continue with more. Thanks for your call. If a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Become the number five movie at the box office, unplanned. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, The Great American, live with you every Sunday night.
5: Why pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? One that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of the Affordable Care Act, the organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners. That's AARP. Join AMAC instead, the conservative alternative. AMAC offers the same kinds of money-saving benefits of AARP without the liberal agenda. Become an AMAC member right now at AMAC. AMAC.US radio. AMAC fights for your values, protecting our borders by enforcing common sense immigration laws, supporting small business, and standing up for your individual God given freedoms. AMAC is the way to go. Stand with AMAC as they fight the good fight by becoming a member today. The benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Join right now at AMAC.US radio. That's AMAC.US radio. AMAC is better. Better for you, better for America.
3: by Choice Hotels. Econo Lodge and Roadway Inn hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best, the recipient of not one but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence, the one and only Bill Cunningham.
2: And by the way, you know, politically the Democrats want to use women against Republicans, especially the president because uh, they want to uh, fear and intimidate, uh, put fear and intimidate women into voting only for Democrats, because Democrats care about women and Republicans do not. Even the Republicans, I think, have mothers and sisters and wives and and girls and daughters and granddaughters. That don't make any difference. Tonight, the Virginian Pilot, which is a website in Virginia, reports that Vanessa Tyson and Meredith Watson who have alleged that Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax sexually assaulted them years ago has granted interviews to CBS News. Tyson alleges that uh, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax assaulted her while the pair were working at the 2004 Democratic National Convention in Boston, according to Time Magazine. They quote, while uh, we were in a hotel room at the convention, according to uh, media accounts, uh, this went on when in a hotel at the convention. That uh, there was a consensual kiss that took place, but then uh, Fairfax caught me off guard by uh, grabbing my head, unbuckling his pants, grabbed me by the back of my head and forced me to perform oral sex on him. That's according to Ms. Tyson. Similar events were told by Meredith Watson, who accused lieutenant governor of raping her in, 20, in the year 2000, and they were both students at, uh, at Duke University. So uh, we'll see how the media covers the peccadillos of the uh, black lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, having dropped completely the comments of the Democratic uh, governor, Ralph Northam, who uh, posed for a racially charged photo in medical school, and also had those comments to make about uh, when a baby's born alive, the mother and the doctor need to have a conversation. So Northam refused to resign, went on a public apology. Listening tour remains in office. The other Democrat lieutenant governor is being charged. I'm not sitting here telling you it's right or wrong. I do not know. But I'm anxious this week to see how CBS News plays the interviews with Vanessa Tyson and Meredith Watson, whether or not it actually happened. I would much prefer that these women who claim such things actually go to the police and charge.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lowell. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. btw Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: These individuals
2: with crime. See, Time Magazine. Does Time Magazine exist anymore, Danny? I, I don't know. According to Time Magazine and Virginia Pilot, they report that these two women say they were raped. Penetration, you know? If that happens, what are you supposed to do? Wait. 10 to 15 years and then accuse someone of an assault that cannot be proven one way or another if both these women Vanessa Tyson and Meredith Watson actually gone to the police that night or the next day or a couple of days later and said so this is what happened time place and manner there was available witnesses what went on what didn't go on who was where is much easier to pursue those things now than uh, 15 or 20 years later isn't it so I uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I don't know. In the case of Brett Kavanaugh, the country came to a stop for like a month. The stories were tracked down. The names given by one of the women who said that Brett Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her, the actual people whose name she gave said it didn't happen. Right? Didn't happen. Not true. So it would have been much easier at the time to track that down, not in in, in their cases, it was 35 years later. This is 2000, 2004. I do not believe or disbelieve Vanessa Tyson or Meredith Watson. They're going to claim it happened. I would assume Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax will say it didn't happen. And we don't have anything else to go on. So, But I understand the 2004 assault. There's a 15-year statute of limitations. So, you know, with with Tyson, Vanessa Tyson, she has the ability to file a criminal charge against uh, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, I would assume. I don't have the 2004 convention in Boston. Probably took place in August or September, right? Of 04, 15 years, 2019. She has the power right now to actually file a criminal charge. Let the police decide these things. That's my viewpoint. What's yours? Let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Let's go to Sherry in Memphis, the home of the king. Sherry, welcome to the Bill Cunningham Show. Sherry, go ahead.
6: Hi, Bill. i love to listen to you on Saturday night. And I want you to know that I'll be praying for you. I wrote myself a note. I won't forget to be praying for you over the weekend.
2: Thank you. I need some prayers later this week. I'm going to have it done at the end of the week. My doctor tells me with my aortic valve, which is calcified, he tells me that within a week I'll be back to work, and so I anticipate two weeks from tonight to be with you again.
6: Well, you know what the Bible says, one of the the most known verses in the Bible, and it's in there five times with God, all things are possible, so this can go really well for you.
2: I believe it will, and everybody's got something, you got something, or we'll have something, and uh, I've been fortunate to have the God-given body that I have, but I have this thing to do, and once I get it done, I'll have a guest host next Sunday. The Sunday after that, I'll be back with you, God willing. Just say a prayer for me. That's all I ask.
6: I will. I'll pray for you. Um, my question is, and why are they processing people when they have to uh, release They have so many people, they have to release the illegals back into our country. Why don't they just stop processing people? Is there a law that says they have to keep processing people?
2: Sherry, here's the law. If you're from Mexico, the law says you can be returned immediately without a hearing. If you're from any other country other than Mexico, and if you come into the border in possession of the federal government and you say the magical words, I hereby demand a hearing, because I have been persecuted in my home country, no matter what country it is, according to the federal law, you must be given a hearing. And if you have a hearing, you have to have the right to an attorney. That means a hearing officer. That means a courtroom. That means evidence. And so 95% of the times, the reasons given by these so-called refugees don't comport, but they must be given a hearing. Now, the problem is we don't have a system in this country scaled to handle more than a million hearings per year we don't have the facility don't have the don't have the detention we don't have the hearing officers don't have the lawyers don't have, we have none of that and so what they're doing now because we're overwhelmed and they're in custody and control it used to be in the good old days when you came across the border illegally you would try to avoid ice now you go up to ice and you say the magical words as told by the coyotes and once you say those words you're supposedly given a hearing date you can't go into detention because there's no room That means you're released into the country at a bus stop and you're given a hearing date years in the future that never happens. And and so the Democrats refuse to change the law because those are all Democratic voters.
6: Oh, I see. So
2: they cannot be released back into Mexico. No, because because you're in the custody of the United States government. You you used to avoid ICE. Now you walk up to them and say, please take me, arrest Mm -hmm. me. I'm subject to the jurisdiction of the United States of America because I'm in I'm in the custody of uh Immigration and Control Enforcement and so they ICE has them and because of that fact in our border they must be given a hearing according to federal law. And the uh-huh. Democrats refuse to change that because those are future democratic voters and they want to stay in power. Yeah. And so we're powerless now. We're being overwhelmed. How many of those 1.2 million or more this year have diseases, have illnesses? Thousands are transported to area hospitals. They pay nothing for the services they receive. They have communicable and curable diseases. They get here, costing costing us billions of dollars a year. I mean, Americans are 4% of the world's population, and we have 35% of the refugees. The refugee world comes to America because of medical care and because there's no functioning immigration system. The Democrats won't allow the law to be changed. And right now we're in a complete farce, Sherry, a complete farce.
6: Well, I know when Castro, when we got refugees a long time ago, when Castro came in, he opened up the insane asylum jails sure. in the jail sure, sure. and sent them on to us.
2: Yeah, And, and we
6: picked them up on the coast of Florida.
2: And we're picking them up and... and Sherry, we are, we are breaking down as a society, and the Democrats love it. Let's continue with Brian in Indianapolis, the home of uh, the Colts and so much more. Brian in Indianapolis, welcome to the Bill Cunningham Show. Brian, go ahead.
7: Hey, Willie, good, good evening. Hey, listen, I have full confidence in your car, cardiologist to do the right thing in this procedure.
2: I got the best. I, He's done a thousand tavers. He, he yes, can, us
7: flag bearers, we need you.
2: Well, I'm not going nowhere, man. He tells me when I get this done, I'm going to have much more energy, be much more excitable, and I'm going to feel better. I said, Doc, I feel great. My handicap's up to a 2 instead of a 1. I got more energy than a 10-year-old. He said, oh, no, you don't. Wait till you get this done. A taver. And I said, I can't wait to see how I'm going to feel.
7: Well, that's good because we need you for 2020. We need your oh. voice and in your, in your, in your, in your show. Now,
2: one last thing before I let you talk about closing down the southern border, Brian. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Whether it's late-night television, CBS, NBC, ABC News, whether it's cable, CNN, MSNBC, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's television, universities, colleges, 80%, 90% of the world is against us. They're trying to stamp out the 5 or 10% of Americans who listen to conservative talk radio and watch Fox News. And they're being somewhat successful in doing so, and we must stop it.
7: But that's because we, we that, that listen to and we're, we're just common people. We're, you know, we know we, we have common sense values. That doesn't make us extremely conservative,
2: but that we just have common sense values. We need to start standing up to these people. Well, let's, let's, mean, do, and, let's and, do it by listening and by patronizing the advertisers whose voices you hear because exactly. Fox is under assault by the radical left to take away Tucker Carlson, take away Sean Hannity. I'll give an example, Brian. And Sean, we text back and forth every week, good friend of mine. We vacation together. On a good night, Sean Hannity will have 3 million viewers. Okay, on a good night. That means 330 million Americans are not watching Fox News. On a good night, I have, on a Sunday night, 1 million listeners around, 1 million. That means 330 million aren't listening. And so we have a small niche, a small band of renegades who tries to keep America's heart beating. We try our best. And so they cannot stand the idea that one million people listen to me that 3 million watch Sean Hannity, that 12 million listen to Rush Limbaugh, that about 8 million listen to Sean Hannity, that about 3 million listen to Glenn Beck. And that means 330 million aren't paying attention to any of us at any point. Can we have the heartbeat of America alive in 2020? Can we continue as a nation if AOC and Pelosi and Bernie Sanders is the president and Chuck Schumer? Can you imagine America with that group in charge?
7: Oh hell no! And here's the thing: that is the assault on our democracy. Right there. AOC. Bernie right there. Sanders, That's it. Tom Miller Harris. Say it. That Cory Spartacus Booker. Now let me. Booger. Yeah, I, I mean,
2: call him Booger. Booger.
7: We're, we're we're preaching to the choir. We know that Obama told Medvedev or whatever the kid's Medvedev. name is.
2: Medvedev. Yeah.
7: You just tell Putin, when I get reelected, I'm going to have more latitude. Now, there's Russian collusion.
2: There's the collusion
5: right there. And,
7: And that's an assault on our democracy by a sitting president. But that's in the past. We're looking for the future, Willie. We're looking for 2020. We're looking to close this border down. We're looking because the left, the socialist left, is the attack on our democracy, and and they got these, they got people so scared to talk about race, to defend about being white. Are you kidding me? There's no white privilege here, brother. No. I'm a hardworking, no. taxpaying American. No. No. They need me, and they want me on that wall, and I'll go to that wall. Now let's close the border down. Let's the, the law that the lady from uh, Memphis, I think she was was from. That's what we need to change, the law about the uh, hearings for these, uh, right, these stop em. from Central America or anywhere right. else in the world. That's the key to everything. Hey, one more thing, Willie, because I know we got thousands on hold. And millions.
2: Millions are on hold. Let's talk about old Uncle Joe and his oh. and feelings. How about the, Yeah, I, I want to smell your hair. I want to kiss minute. you on the lips and smell your hair.
7: <laughs> Hang on a minute, man. But I, you know, I don't even know what to say. But I'm more concerned about our southern border, our assault on our democracy, democracy from the socialists. I have a son who believes that because he's 20 something. He's 29 or 30. Oh, jeez. And, and I, I, him and I, man, we butt heads. No. I try to tell him just
2: common sense. Common sense. You got just listen. Look at the. But anyway. we We got to go, go. Brian. You, You say a prayer for me at the end of this week. I'll say this. The biggest scandal in American political history was the efforts of Barack Hussein Obama and his administration to spy on the other party's presidential candidate in real time, then having gained corrupt information to leak it to the media to destroy his candidacy. In August, September, October, November of 2016, they did not get the crap on Trump. So having not gotten it, having not spied on him adequately and wiretapped him, they then decided to ruin his presidency by appointing Robert Mueller to destroy him. And it all failed. That's the biggest story in the history of American political life, is that the party in power wiretapped and spied on the candidacy of the other party, and they almost got away with it. Now there's the scandal. There's the lack of patriotism. There's the traitor behavior of people like Comey, Strzok, Page, Obama, Brennan, and, and Clapper. The, he has clap, Clapper. Those That's the problem. That's where the crime took place. Cover that, CBS, NBC. Cover that, CNN. Let's continue with more 23 minutes after the hour. Bill Cunningham, The Great American, live with you every Sunday night. Coming up in about uh, six or seven minutes, I'm going to put a call in to Kevin Jackson of the Black Sphere, in and around St. Louis, Missouri, to talk about uh, Jesse Smollett, who didn't win a damn thing at the NAACP uh, Image Awards, although he was roundly defended by the honorable one Jesse Jackson, whose uh, crocodile tears on election night in 2008 meant to me that the gig was up and he couldn't fleece people anymore for millions of dollars. But then none the let, nonetheless, uh, Kevin Jackson is a radio talk show host and an author. And uh, he runs our website, The Black Sphere, that I consult. He has many good postings about Jesse Smollett. And this this is an angle not covered by the mainstream media. Jesse Smollett, instead of being the victim of a hate hate crime,
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Crime. By his goal was to blame an entire race of people for a fictitious assault that did not exist. And to blame Trump supporters, white, mega hat wearing Trump supporters, for a vicious assault upon him, when in reality he was the one committing the verbal assault and committing a hate crime. If Jesse Smollett is correct, as we speak tonight, somewhere in Chicago, there's two white men wearing mega hats, carrying a noose in one hand and a bleach bottle in the other, looking for a B actor in some terrible TV series to physically assault and call racial and sexist names. If Jesse Smollett is correct, and when I watched his lawyer, what, three or four days ago in one of the morning shows, his own lawyer said that it was possible these two Nigerians – Put on whiteface why I'm listening to this thing. Whiteface, these two bodybuilding African Americans from Nigeria used Whiteface to masquerade as white to commit the assault. I mean, I love gymnastic arguments as an attorney as much as anyone else, but that's bordering no, that is absurd. that is absurd. And so it took a George Soros-funded prosecutor, Kim Fox in Cook County, to come up with the idea that Jesse Smollett should get off having himself committed a hate crime by blaming white people for some vicious sexual and racial assault when it didn't happen. It was all fictitious, much like in Portland, Oregon, there's a gay rights activist complaining about being beaten up on the streets when it didn't happen either. Let's continue with more. Coming up next is Kevin Jackson, The Black Sphere. Bill Cunningham, The Great American, live with you every Sunday night. Uh, Billy Cunningham, the great American, joining me now somewhere in and around St. Louis, Missouri, is uh, Kevin Jackson of the Black Sphere. He's an author, radio talk show host, runs the Black Sphere, and much more. Kevin Jackson, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. Kevin, how are you? Good to talk to you, Bill. Now, uh, let's talk, first of all, about your friend Jesse Smollett, who's driving (laughs) us all just nuts. But before I, I want you to step back. My friend. (laughs) (laughs) I, I want you to step back and take a look at where we are. You got Stacey Abrams. In Georgia, they like refuses to concede the election. And the governor has been in office about three months because she said something was wrong. I don't accept it. You got uh, you got uh, the Florida governor's race, I imagine, is over. But the Democratic uh, nominee in Florida doesn't really believe he lost the Florida seat to Ron DeSantis. You have the Hollywood leftist who paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their kids where they didn't belong because they felt they were entitled. You got the whole Russian collusion delusion that's blown up in the face of the Democrats. They can't believe that Hillary Clinton actually lost, so they refuse to accept the election. Then you got Jesse Smollett, who uh, is entitled. I imagine he's rich. Uh, His race and his his gayness is something he uses as a sword or a shield, depending on the circumstances. That thing's blowing up in in everyone's face. And, And so at this point, can we stand back and say the left is imploding? Have they figured it out yet? And should Jesse Smollett still get the NAACP image award?
8: <laughs> That's the funny part to me is that, you know, you've got the image of the NAACP, which I think is completely tarnished, and they decide to give a fraud uh, the NAACP image award. You know, what What more can you ask? Look, this has been brewing, Bill, and um, you're talking about prosecutors now who no longer look at the crime, they look at the so called circumstances of the victim. And in the case of Jesse Smollett, here's how Fox ruled on that, just so everybody's clear with your audience. She ruled on it as, this, as if, what if those people really existed, those two anti, um, you know, pro, Trump I should supporters. say, pro Trump. Pro-Trump, racist rednecks. What if they really existed? How would we have to handle this? She's not looking at it from the standpoint of they don't exist. And Jesse Smollett is a lying scumbag. And that's the kind of these are the prosecutors. um, I should have said lying skank, Bill, just for just for curiosity. But these are types of prosecutors that are out there now that are saying I don't care what the evidence is I'm going to make make my decisions based on the social justice agenda of what if now Bill, we don't exist. The people that they believe us to be don't exist. They only exist in the in the imaginations of the left. They want us to believe that there are people out there wanting to hunt Jussie Smollett down because he's black, also because he's gay, or because he professes to be a woman or whatever else. They, they have all their litanies, all their boxes of things that they can put people in that they claim we hate. The fact is we don't hate them at all. But if they keep continue with this narrative – we don't even
2: have to be guilty to be guilty. No. At this point, you know, if Jesse and I guess his lawyer a couple of days ago in GMA said that these two Nigerians may have been wearing white face. And I'm oh, watching no. this woman. I said, these two big black Nigerians are wearing white face. And Jesse Smollett, who knew these guys, was confused. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, that's the level of
8: ridiculousness we have, and, and just the idea that she would accuse them of doing that, knowing that they participated in it, and knowing that Jesse put them up to it and gave them the check, that we didn't see them buying any whiteface, but we definitely saw them buying bleach and rope. So, <laughs> you know, th- th- look, this has just gone to, and I love it, by the way. I love it because there—if if I think Donald Trump has said this, maybe he said it about uh, the, the Mueller investigation, but he should have been saying it about Jesse Smollett. If you had put a gun to my head, Bill, and said, Kevin, make up the most crazy scenario where this gay black dude gets beat up in Chicago, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have made up a crazier story. And he managed to do it, suckered these people in, at least some of them, because I think most of them, most of the leftists knew that he was lying from the beginning. They just played along. And when he was discovered... They abandoned him. Right now, Bill, there's only one person sticking up for him. That's Anthony the Racist Anderson. He plays a big fat black dude in most of these shows out there, that's including good. Blackish. And he's the only guy that's saying, I think he's good. I hope Jussie shows up. I hope Jussie shows up as oh. well to the NAACP Awards. But the, nobody else. You're not going to see Maxine Waters. You're not going to see no. uh, Kamala Harris. You're not going to see Cory Booker. No. Anybody that was standing up for him now repeat themselves.
2: But isn't it? Because Jesse Smollett was not really attacked by white mega hat wearing Republicans walking around with nooses and bleach bottles. And because on college campuses black kids are not being assaulted or attacked, they have to make it up to justify the view of the world. So in Jesse Smollett's view, in the view of the NAACP, there's all kinds of white racists running around American cities waiting to douse bleach on a gay A black dude who's a star in a TV series. I mean, if Smollett is believed right now as we speak, there are two white Trump supporter (laughs) lurking in (laughs) Chicago shadows holding nooses and wearing mega hats waiting to hurl racial epithets at a TV star getting a Subway sandwich at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, and, Are they out Bill, there right
8: now? Where are they? Yeah, Bill, they're out there and they're, they're hanging there.
2: out with that. They're hanging out with
8: that Tea Party racist. Do you remember him? Yeah, from a long time ago. Yeah, he was never discovered. He's out there with the Yeti and the Sasquatch and the Abominable Snowman and Loch Ness Monster because they don't exist. And here's the thing: whether it's Smollett and this, or whether you know, and, and uh, white guys waiting to beat up on gay black guys that, that show that are on Empire, or its cops waiting to prey on the average black citizen is is a guy you know is out there doing his doing his lawn there's a black a, a cop that's going to come by and arrest him for no reason and kill him at the jail cell i mean that's the ne- the nonsense that the left wants to put out there all the time. The same, and I want people to transition this into, into actual policy. So this is the same nonsense that tells you that fences don't work, you know, in, in terms of protecting the border or anything else, and the and host of other things that the left will tell you. The beautiful thing about this is it exposes all the lies of the left. It exposes <laughs> the lie that Barack Obama was a good president, that he had no scandals, that you know, he was a racially healing president and Donald Trump is the one who's divisive, and on and on. I could go on the entire program telling you all the things that they tell you that they, that they know are not true, but they want to sell it to us. And what Jesse Smullett and the Mueller report and a host of other things point out is how big of a liar they are and to what level they're willing to go to,
2: to, to continue their narrative. You know, Kevin Jackson, there's lots of pretending going on. Like Joe Biden's got to apologize oh, for being white. Can you imagine a black candidate apologizing for being black? I mean, the media would have a conniption fit. You got Elizabeth Warren pretending to be an Indian. You have uh, Beto O'Rourke pretending to be Hispanic. You got Kamala <laughs> Harris pretending to be African-American when her father is Jamaican and her mother is from India. You got all this pretend you got Jesse Smollett pretending to be a victim of racism. And I guess homophobia, all this pretending is going on and there's no real candidates on the democratic side that are running for office. That gives me a sense that the country would go in the right direction with the clean, uh, with the green new deal. They're pretending as if that would help when in reality it would kill us. How, do you see a lot of pretending going on? Yeah, you know the.
8: I want to go back to the Biden one because that's the one that I find most interesting. I, I, look, I, I don't know what your audience makeup is because the bill it's pretty large and it's pretty diverse. But here's what I'll say to you, white folks: you need to stop apologizing. You <laughs> folks are not that bad. You have not done the damage that they claim has been done, and all the damages was done in the past. You've more than made up for it. So stop apologizing. We have a thing, a certificate of forgiveness that we
3: sell. Give me one. Uh, as a joke.
8: <laughs> Yeah. We sell it as a joke for like five bucks to say we I, I authentic Kevin Jackson, authentically black, will forgive you for all your sins against black people and you can just keep this in your wallet and show people this. You know, because it's so silly to me that people are still, you know, caught up in this whole, you know, pretentious notion of, of you know or I shouldn't say pretentious, but this notion of, of needing to be forgiven. And Joe Biden coming out talking about Anita Hill who, let me just say this about Anita Hill, cause my, I have a, my good friend is, is Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. If that's the, if the worst thing that happened to her was somebody talked about a pubic hair on a coke, a coke, a can, a, you know, can of coke, and see, he, uh, Clarence Thomas talked about long dong silver. If that's the worst she's heard in her life, then I'll buy everybody who listens to your program a steak sandwich. There is nothing about that that would have risen to the level where they were going against Clarence Thomas. And it's crazy, it's idiotic that Joe Biden is wanting to do a mea culpa on behalf of all white men. Let me tell you something go in the black community and watch and see what black men are doing to other black people and then tell me that Joe Biden needs to apologize if that's the case everybody should be apologizing so uh, it's nonsense they have no good candidates they have nothing they're going to be able to run on this economy even though they're talking about a slowdown trust me it is not slowing down it's going to increase in 2020 will be better stock market will probably crest 27000 by election time
2: well, why is it if being Hispanic and black is a bad thing in America, which I think it's not a good thing, a bad thing, it is a thing. I, I, you don't get a compliment or a criticism because you're yeah, black or female. It's, it means, okay, it is what it is. But Democrats want, want to glean the mantle of Native Americans. Elizabeth Warren wants to be a Native American. Beta O'Rourke wants to be Hispanic, Kamala Harris wants to be African-American. If it was so bad being those things, right. why do all the candidates <laughs> want to be him?
8: Yeah, good point. I hadn't really thought about it, but look, the, the, you, it, the, we know the answer. The answer is that they've trained themselves that victims – get the goodies so the bigger victim you can be they call it intersectionality bill and for those that don't know some of these terminate what these words mean this terminology intersectionality means the more things you can relate to if you could be a woman if you could be gay if you could be a minority if you could be short you know a midget or whatever the more things you have the more intersectionality you have the more you can understand the human condition now I can tell you this I don't have to be seven feet tall to know what the guy goes through, you know, to know that I probably could have a career in basketball. I don't have to be four feet tall to know that I probably can't have a career in basketball. But the, but the left pretends that you can't understand what it's like to be a woman unless you're a woman. You can't pret- to understand what it's like to be black unless you're black. That is the most silly thing I've ever heard. What we understand, Bill, are our experiences. And we, it, do I understand the white experience? Not as a white man, but I do understand the white experience. And as much as I need to understand it, they, they, they cross out individuality and, and want to lump us into these little blocks so that they can then say, well, you don't understand me. I don't <laughs> need to
2: understand you. Well, if things were so bad here. How come practically every Hispanic in Central America, South, and Mexico want to come here? How come Nigerians, where the Muslims are brutalizing Christians, I read on read on Saturday how bad things were being a Christian in Nigeria, in which they burn people alive, they rape the women, they tie them up and beat the crap out of them if you're a Christian. The media doesn't talk about that at all because it doesn't fit their bias. If things were so bad for being a black guy in America, how come every Nigerian wants to come here? Are they stupid? Well,
8: it's not just Nigeria. It's every country, every, about the 53 countries in Africa. Trust me, if you open the borders, there'd be no more Africa. They'd all live here. They want our lifestyle. I don't even get caught up in that because I think that it takes our eye off the ball. I stay on the notion that these people are idiots. The reason why, by the way, they want to come here. They don't come here to become Africans or African-Americans. They come here to become Americans. They want to be here because they want the opportunity. And that's what every nation on the world— but whatever their people are, all the amalgamation of people that we have in America, they all want to be one thing, and that's Americans. And the problem is the left wants them to be hyphenated. You're a Polish-American or you're a woman-American or some sort of, <laughs> of a downtrodden oh. American with a hyphen. And it's ridiculous, Bill, that we allow it to happen. We need to stop.
2: We need to just start fighting back. Now, I had a guest on three or four days ago that talked about some co- subconscious bias. Which bah. means you're so stupid you can't even know what you're thinking, but this person made the point to me, which I argued with that somehow as a white male that fits the privilege category that I'm so stupid I can't realize how biased I am, how prejudicial I am that's how st- I'm a blathering idiot and I don't can you talk about whether blacks have subconscious bias against women and whites or just whites have subconscious bias whatever the hell that is. I would have pushed back on
8: him and say, oh, really? So you think my kids have an advantage over Beyonce and Jay-Z's kids? Is that what you're trying <laughs> yeah. to tell me? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. If there's any subconscious bias, it's based on the elitists of Hollywood. The subconscious bias comes with Jussie Smollett, who just proved that white privilege is out the door. Because let me tell you, there isn't a white guy on the planet who could have done what Jesse Smollett no. did and got the charges dropped. So, that, see, that's the way I, I fight back, is I give you the real-life examples of something where you want to bring up white privilege, tell me a white two white guys could have done that and gotten off. It wouldn't have happened. So shut up about your white privilege, shut up about all these other nonsensical things you talk about, because I'm not buying it. If you can't make it in this country, if you can't... Figure out what to do with your miserable life. It has nothing to do with anybody around you. Here's a mirror. That's who to blame. And, and the minute that people start taking that stance and fighting back and talking you know, smack, I, I mean, I'm just going to put it in the vernacular. Talk some smack, then people will jump off. But until then, I mean, this Jesse Smollett thing is a perfect example. If we let them get away with it, they will. If we let Adam Schiff get away with changing the narrative on Trump and saying there's still more there, <laughs> then they get away with
2: it. Well, I can imagine if I, as a white guy in Chicago, accused two black guys of jumping on me and maybe spraying me with some uh, black racist, black nationalist Hebrew symbols and called me a bunch of honky and other white names, and I turned into the police department, then I'm the victim of a race crime. These two black guys did that to me. It turned out to be a lie. What, what would Kim Fox have done to me in Chicago as a white guy?
8: Oh, you'd have been prosecuted, but, I, but let's make it better. Let's say Donald Trump Jr., somebody you know, high-profile, not that you are, not Bill, but let's say Donald Trump Jr. tried that nonsense. How, what do you think the news cycle would oh, handle? Oh, oh, oh. It'd yeah. be ugly. So, it would be it would be beyond ugly. It would it would dominate the Mueller report and everything else for that matter for the next six months. And they would talk about how he tried to accuse two white two uh, black guys oh, of doing a crime oh. that you know. So it would be racial. It would be homophobic. It would be all these other things that are going on. Just imagine if Donald Trump said two gay white men, uh, gay black men, jumped me in Chicago. <laughs> and you know, I mean, can, can you imagine? And it was a lie. Oh. and it was a lie. So so everything it would it would impact. Impact his his sister. It would impact his the president. Over. It would impact all of us. But guess what? Jesse Smollett can get away with it. He's a gay black man that accused two Trump supporters of doing this, knowing that it didn't happen. Made it as salacious as he possibly could. We know it's a blatant lie. And, and even when he's he's doing his mayor copas, he's not doing mayor copas. Oh, I'm gonna, I was on drugs. I was all these other things. He gets out. Knowing that he's not still not com-
2: completely innocent, and then he comes back and says, I still didn't do it. Now, that is hubris beyond belief. It was the Nigerians with whiteface. Kevin of the black, <laughs> Kevin Jackson of BlackSphere.com. we got to go. We'll have fun again, and God bless I you. I did this interview in whiteface, Bill, by the way. <laughs> I can't use blackface, but you can use whiteface. All right, thank you, Kevin Jackson, BlackSphere. Thank you. That guy's the best. <laughs> Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham here, The Great American, live with you every Sunday night. Hi, Billy Cunningham, The Great American. Thanks for joining me tonight. Coming up in a few minutes will be Julie Gunlock, Independent Women's Forum. So many women's issues are percolating. Every issue, in a sense, is a woman's issue. Believe it or not, women are about 52% of the electorate. Most people employed today in America are women. Most of the college students are women. Most of the law school students and graduates of the last five years have been women. Women are everywhere. In fact, my mother's a woman. My sister is a woman. Women are everywhere. My mother, before she died, was a woman. My Women are everywhere. So I always like to hear from the female perspective to see, uh, especially on the Russian collusion, delusion, which I've been calling it for about two years, Julie Gunlock's perspective on that. Later on is Professor Riley of uh, Kentucky State University. He's written a book about all the racial hoaxes happening in America. Bill Cunningham, the Great American, live with you every Sunday night.
3: Willie. Brought to you by Choice Hotels. Econo Lodge and Roadway Inn hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only Bill Cunningham.
2: Let's continue with more. My good friend and yours, Julie Gunlock of the Independent Women's Forum. Julie Gunlock, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. Julie, how are you?
9: I'm doing great. Always thrilled to be on.
2: Great day to be an American. Would you agree? I would agree. You know, I'm always happy when we have a conservative president who actually has been cleared by Robert Mueller. And I'll, you know, this is, uh, of course, this is a little bit dated, but I'll say that the best thing that happened to the president was Robert Mueller. Because Robert Mueller has given him a free pass, which was obvious from the beginning, plus his Clintonista lawyers that were with him, including Andrew Weissman. 17 of the 19 were Democrats investigating Trump. Some attended the victory party at the Hillary headquarters on election night in 2016. Some maxed out their contributions to Hillary. So if that group has decided that uh, Donald J. Trump is pure as a driven snow, That's good enough for me. Isn't it, in a sense, having gone through two and a half years of hell, having crawled through a mile of excrement and broken glass for the last two and a half years, isn't it a positive thing? Is Robert Mueller Donald Trump's best friend?
9: He really is. I mean, the, of course the left-wing media, we've seen it even today, we saw it yesterday, we've seen it today. There are still some very stubborn members, well, you, I'm trying to be generous there by calling them stupid, stubborn stupid. members of the, uh, well, da- you know, David Korn and some other left-wing media c- um, uh, commentators who are on the news still trying, CNN <laughs> and right. the entire networks are still trying uh, to push uh, the, uh, the, the, the sort of conspiratorial sure. collusion uh, message. But this has been great, and I think the American public have yet more proof I mean, we don't we don't need just the Mueller investigation. We've got Covington. We've got uh, a, a number of of these these sort of missteps by the mainstream media. But this is the latest. But I think you're right. Mueller. Um, you know, is no friend or fan of the president, no. and he has cleared him, along with his l- largely Democrat staff. So this is a huge blow uh, to the mainstream huh. media. It's a huge blow uh, to the presidential contenders, but it is definitely a victory for the president.
2: You know, very sad. Rachel Maddow's lost about a half a million viewers. Uh, <laughs> right. CNN has lost. Uh, they can't afford to lose a half million viewers each night, but they've lost them. But well, on an under, on a kind of a related matter, I, I was watching one of the morning talk shows, and they ran down a list of polling of what the American people want. You're like you're like a conservative woman, Independent Women's form. You're a wife, you're a mother, you got three kids. You want a country that's functional. And when you go over the polling of what the American people want in 2020, it makes me wonder how in the hell can Trump get reelected or any Republican, according to this poll, which is uh, consistent with other polls. Eighty nine percent of Americans want to keep preexisting conditions in their medical plan. Eighty nine percent. Eighty one percent want paid family and medical leave for mothers and fathers. Sixty eight percent want a higher minimum wage. Fifty nine percent want uh, federally subsidized daycare. And, and so when I look at the polling, it makes me think, how in the hell do we win? But because Obamacare might be going down, the president's saying we're going to have a better plan than Obamacare. When, when I see things like pre-existing conditions, 89 percent, family medical leave at 81 percent, including 60 percent of Republicans say they want uh, pre-existing conditions covered and family medical leave. People may not know it, but are they all liberals and progressives? And how do we fight this fight? How does a Republican ever get elected? Well, look, I think that one of the ways that we do that that Republicans
9: get elected is they stay calm and explain the facts. Look, a higher minimum wage means lower... Jo- means fewer jobs, more layoffs, means companies can't grow. When we're talking about paid family leave, um, there are a lot of proposals out there that would create a new entitlement, higher taxes, a brand new government program, but IWF, the organization I work for, has actually proposed and actually uh, yeah, Senator Marco Rubio has taken up our proposal um, to create a system where people can dip into their own savings, m- meaning Social Security. This doesn't raise taxes. It's about budget-neutral, and it doesn't create a new entitlement. What Republicans have to do is listen to these polls and understand what people care about and respond. It frustrated me to no end that during the 90s, Hillary Clinton went up at the time, First first Lady Hillary Clinton goes up to Congress and talks about socialized medicine, right? This was her great new idea, and it didn't happen. Everyone laughed at her. But this was a train that was moving. And did the Republicans fix the problems in health care? Like, like portability, okay. Like rising, rising medical costs and, and and prescription medical costs. No, they didn't. They sat back, and then we got Obamacare. Republicans have got to understand that these are the issues that concern Americans, and they've got to be creative and come up with better policies. That's how they're going to get elected.
2: You know, Julie Gunlock. Democrats are like mommy, and Republicans are like daddy. And you can never <laughs> outpromise the American voter more free stuff at someone else's expense. Another part of this poll was that 75 percent of the American people want to grossly increase taxes on high wage earners. Seventy eight percent want those making more than 10 million dollars should pay above 70 percent of their income. And so you run these numbers and the emotional argument is strong. The reason argument takes some time. For example, uh, when I when I was watching Squawk Box on uh, Monday, Joe Kernan, a friend of mine, he pointed out that. If you take the total number of Americans who make $10 million a year or more, the total number of Americans that make that number are about 12,000 Americans make that number. He said if you would confiscate their money and just take all their money, it would run the federal government for about two days. Right. And so there's not enough money in the world to pay for all the freebies like free Medicare for all, free tuition for all, retrofit every building, get rid of all the trucks, get rid of all the cars, get rid of all the airplanes, get rid of all cows, <laughs> co- co- cows that fart, get rid of all the chickens, get rid of the goats, get rid of all that stuff and confiscate the money. Don't charge 70 percent. Right. Charge 100 percent. And yeah. it runs the federal government for two days. So yeah. why, why can't Republicans make that argument?
9: well, look, I think we have a real problem with young voters in this country. Luckily, many of them don't vote. But uh, young people in this country, we're talking early to mid 20s, 20-year-olds, even late 20-year-olds, like dear AOC, Alexandria Koja cortez um, who proposed the Green New Deal, which you had mentioned, uh, which is fantasy land. It is make-believe. It is pretend. It is the most laughable proposal. I spent eight years on Capitol Hill. I've never seen anything like it. It is as if, and in turn when in a back room and not a particularly smart one and like typed on a computer and came out with this grand new plan and i think if you saw mike lee last night on senator mike lee on the uh, right. the, the house floor uh, senate floor rather having a bit of fun with it, it, it he's right it is absolute make-believe but this this appeals to a certain demographic we have a problem in this country also with absolutely no historical knowledge educational centers Public schools are failing us. You look at AOC. She graduates with an economics degree and makes a fool of herself on a daily basis on Twitter and on the House floor and in House hearings, you know, in interviewing really –
1: 're prohibited by law. terms and conditions eighteen plus
9: very very different degrees and she and, and and a lot of experience in the economic field, so I think we have a it 's a, it's a very very complex issue i 'm not sure what the solution is
2: well, the solution is to make recent arguments to bring free market forces into government spending because the government and and, uh, and really i 'm sad about this, one of my major bugaboos over the years has been the federal budget debt accumulated in the annual deficit. You may, you'll have to deal with it, your kids have to deal with it, my grandkids have to deal with it, yes. my son has to deal with it, but we can't keep borrowing $1 trillion every year of Chinese, Russian, and Saudi Arabian money to pay our bills and pass on the credit card to our future generations the responsibility of paying that interest. So when we have Republicans running trillion-dollar annual deficits with the federal debt above $22 trillion, much less the Democrats, you throw on top of that $100 trillion for the the new Green Deal, my God, we're out of business, and they can't sell the idea that the evil rich can go out and, and, and tax them a little bit more, and they're not going to change their behavior, confiscate the money, confiscate their income. It might run the federal government for 10 days. The other money comes from middle-class Americans through job creation. And so if in this time when we had we had Trump and the Republicans' House and the Senate running trillion-dollar deficits, what argument do normal people like you and I have to those who say... Republicans are not uh, spend and not tax Republicans with trillion-dollar deficits, and we're the same as the Democrats. Give me an argument that I can use, because I can't think of one.
9: Well, you know, I mean, part of the problem is that many of the, of the proposals that we're seeing out of the Democrats is re- really based on envy, envy of those who... Ha- have a lot of money, and so the answer really—it's like you said earlier—it's a simple thing to say to people. It's not worth even explaining to them. Let's just do the easy thing. Let's say we have free healthcare. Let's say we have free a free education, and they also often throw in these words like it's a right. It's a right to have a college degree. It's a right to have uh, free healthcare. So it is very complicated. It's very very. I mean, I don't have an argument. I'm sorry. I don't know that I do have an argument, but I do know that the Republicans have got to be able to learn to communicate with this public, and 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 explain complex policy solutions in ways that are more understandable. I think that is the major problem with the Republican Party, partly because, frankly, our solutions are more complex. But that really is critical. And, again, being creative, finding, for instance, when I, when I talked about our paid leave pro- program, finding budget-neutral free market ways where people spend their own savings, their own hard-earned dollars, is a much better way than creating an an entirely new um, entitlement plan that will tax all Americans.
2: You know, pre-existing conditions, everyone has a health problem. Everyone has a crisis either presently or in the future. Everyone has a mom or a dad that's going to use the health care system. Everyone's got a son, a husband, a wife that has a health care problem now or will have one. It's extremely expensive. I had on an expert uh, several Sunday nights ago who said that the reason that uh, those who pay their own insurance premiums, we all pay them directly or indirectly anyway, but that those who spend two to $5,000 a month with large deductibles, are paying for about 25 million illegals that are here, along with those on Medicaid that generally pay nothing, which the total number might be 40 to 50 million Americans paid little or nothing into the medical system. So those who do pay must pay grossly, amount, or grossly more money to pay for everyone who's not paying. And I don't see how that changes. I don't want to live in a society where people are living and dying on the streets. I want people to have minimal health care. But, damn it, those who pay the – it's my point – because I'm not running for political office, those who pay the bills should get better health care than those who do not pay the bills. We can't have a system with 340 million Americans. Everyone receives exactly the same level of care whether you pay for it or not. Am I stupid? I know I'm unelectable, but is that stupid?
9: No, that's 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 absolutely, um, yeah, that's absolutely right. We have an insurance company, our insurance system now, that pays for every possible thing that could go wrong. We don't even allow for those variations with young people and old people and people who might want to take a higher risk at a certain time in their life. We have this one size fits all. solution, it's not even a solution, um, for a problem that's extremely complex. And we know that's how Washington works. It really doesn't matter what the issue is you're talking about. It is creating one solution for every single person. The Democrats never want to admit that people are different, have different needs. They don't even want to admit that the sexes are different. And so you have these one-size-fits-all. ACA offers these sort of gold-plated programs when people might want variation in their plans, like the private market currently allows. There is room for improvement in the private market. There is room for improvement in, in the, in the health care system writ large. But this massive ACA, what we have, this massive bill, the ACA, really has destroyed competition. And now we have Democrat presidential nominees, or, or soon-to-be nominees, rather, who are saying they want to do away with the private market, which is really the only thing that is hanging on by a shred that is preserving our current health care system.
5: Lastly,
2: Julie Gunlock, Independent Women's Forum. I would say this I don't know your personal situation, but I would dare say the car insurance premiums you pay are representative of somebody with low risk, with a lot, a lot of few accidents and without DUIs in your background. Therefore, the Julie Gunlock insurance premium for your car insurance is somewhat lower than someone who has six DUIs wrecks cars. Exactly. And so I don't know the insurance principles apply when it comes to life insurance. If you're 42 years old and you have uh, stage four breast cancer, you're likely to pay more for life insurance than someone who's 42 years old running uh, New York City marathons. So the point I'm making is this. That we have an insurance system completely out of whack because 45 to 50 million Americans pay nothing and those who pay nothing into the system generally receives the same benefits as somebody who actually pays the bills. We ought to have an insurance (laughs) system like we have in car insurance.
9: That's exactly right. My husband would actually say that I'm a high-risk driver. He thinks I'm a terrible driver, but I'm glad I'm here to answer that question. I, you're absolutely right. We shouldn't have a health care system that runs like a car insurance system. We shouldn't Health care is unique, and that's exactly why privatization allows people to tailor these programs to their needs. Currently, that is not going to happen, and that's certainly not going to happen if we get rid of the private insurance market.
2: Well, lastly, uh, about women, I love women. You know, my mother was a woman. Uh, <laughs> my wife is a woman. My granddaughter is female. My sister is a female. Damn it, we're equal, but we're different. But the government wants to have a one-size-fits-all. And if Bill Cunningham identifies as a woman, I can play on the LPGA tour and probably make a living out there. I say vive la difference. Would you agree?
9: I would agree. And, my goodness, you could probably go play play. You could be a, a pro anything in a women's league and win awards and win medals and go on to a great career. We're seeing this in the weightlifting categories. We're seeing this in bicycling. Um, this is a real concern for professional female uh, prof- uh, uh, sports players. But it's also it's interesting to watch this group, uh, sort of the trans community, and fight with the, the, the feminist community. It's a fascinating sort of uh, debate to watch. But this really is important to women. Look, women and, and men are different. They develop. Differently, and I, you know, look—if people are trans and they want to, they want to, tra- you know, they want to change to to a different gender, they are—they should be allowed to do what they want. But, but. to compete in a sports arena. That is so deeply unfair to women. And so this, this issue is really going to be interesting to watch.
2: You know, you can get your hormones, you get things cut off, but you, I still got a bigger heart. I got bigger lungs. I got <laughs> yes. bigger shoulders. My yes. hands are stronger. I got a hairy ass. There are things that <laughs> men are different than women. I can take hormones, get my thing cut off, but damn it, I'm still a man. I'm a man's man and a woman's man.
9: Well, that's right. And this, this is the interesting thing. You never see women who are transitioning to men compete in professional sports. We know the reason. They don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. And we know this even today because we've had some professional sports uh you know, tennis players who have challenged, very low seated tennis players and, and the man has won. I mean these are championship women, um, I think it was the the sisters, um, that, right. that ch- the, and so we know that this is occurring. We do not see um, women who've transitioned to men competing. It's very, very clear. But because of politically correct culture, we have a threat to professional to to women's professional sports and we have feminists out there well-known feminists who are too afraid to scare um or to to anger the lgbt community and the trans community so they're staying quiet it's a it's actually a very interesting thing to, to watch um and to see some including martina navratilova come out um and be attacked as somehow anti-lgbt it's absolutely
2: absurd well, julie you're you're different than me but uh we're <laughs> equal and uh I'd love i don't to know. know i think
9: I, I think i think you're the best
2: No, I think you're the best. All right, Julie Gunlock, Independent Women's Forum. Thanks for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show, and we'll do it again, and God bless you. Thanks for having me. God bless America. Let's continue with more. That woman makes a lot of sense. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham here, The Great American, live with you every Sunday night. All right, Billy Cunningham, The Great American. Thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, It's great to have on a conservative woman whose name is Gunlock. Julie Gunlock, she's the man. If she can't do it, nobody can. Coming up next is Professor Wilfred Riley, live from Kentucky State University. He's written an entire book on the number of racial hoaxes available in America th- today. In fact, I read the story to you a couple hours ago from Portland, and those who have done the research, there's at least one to two hundred hoaxes of a racial character and religious character every year in America, and some quite famous, like Jesse Smollett and what's happening in Portland, Oregon, and some others not so famous. But the hoaxes are everywhere because it perpetuates the idea that America is filled with racists and sexists and homophobes looking to hurt people because of their race, their gender, or their sexual orientation. And if those things are not happening, guess what? Let's make them happen because it justifies my wrongful political position, especially against Trump supporters, people like you and I. Bill Cunningham, live with you every Sunday night. i Billy Cunningham, the great American, with the uh, decision of Chicago prosecutors uh, not to uh, continue to file hate charges, hate crime charges against Jesse Smollett, plus so many other hoaxes going on. I thought it might be wise to check in with uh, Professor Wilfred Riley. Wilfred Riley is a new book out, Hate Crime, Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War, which is 1,000% correct. Joining me now is that same uh, Professor Wilford Riley, an African-American professor at uh, Kentucky State University. And Professor Riley, welcome, I think, for the first time to the Bill Cunningham Show. Professor, how are you?
10: I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, this is this is my first time on with you. <laughs> all
2: right, let's talk, number one, about uh, Jesse Smollett. Then I want to get into Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, all the other hoaxes. Uh, How did the uh, resolution of the of the Jesse Smollett matter kind of fit in with the profile of what the media wants to do with hate crime, separation of the races, those kinds of things? How did Jesse Smollett fit in with the race uh, crime hoaxes that have been going on for years?
10: Well, first of all, the resolution of the Jesse Smollett case is one of the most ridiculous uh, legal conclusions <laughs> that I've ever seen. I graduated from U of I Law in 2005, so I was a lawyer before I was an academic, I'm a nice guy despite that. But um, in this case, what happened was, to put it politely, very questionable. Um, in this situation, there was literally a video of the two Nigerian brothers who were involved in this case, uh, the Dario brothers, if I have that correct, yep. buying red hats, buying ski masks, <laughs> buying nooses a couple of days before uh, uh, the assault on Jesse Smollett, the quote-unquote assault. Uh, you can, I always like to source when I can, so you can literally find that by Googling, video shows brothers linked to Smollett attack buying all items. Um, that's from National <laughs> CBS. It's still live on YouTube. Uh, As I recall, the police said that the brothers used a sort of shopping list written by Smollett to do this. So I would assume if they have detectives on the case, they have his handwriting. Uh, They have his handwriting on something else. He literally signed a check to these guys for the exact amount they say they were paid for the assault. His signature's on it. It's literally for something like physical development. The brothers say that Smollett uh, paid them to attack him. So, I mean, a glib but real line. I haven't seen a case this strong against the defendant since O.J. Simpson. And what happened here, this wasn't an acquittal. So Smollett still had to pay at least $10,000 in bond. He forfeited his entire bond amount that the city had. That's an indicator of guilt. Uh, He was either given credit for a pretty substantial community service or assigned new service. The papers in Chicago, at least, were a little unclear about that. Uh, The exact technique used to terminate the case was not... um, a finding of not guilty it's what in the law we call a nolle prosequi which is a kind of very technical dismissal that's often used with guilty defendants uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ramble on here but i mean the prosecutor said he was guilty right they asked him in the uh the news conference the press briefing do you do you doubt the case you had do you now believe innocence here and he said no we absolutely do not believe innocence here the, the person that was assigned to do this, by the way, I believe Malcus was uh, yeah. disgusted through the whole thing. And let uh, me, let impression- me ask
2: you this. You know, Professor, if, if he's correct, when he comes out and does this you know, quickie little deal like I'm innocent, that that means as we speak, Jesse Smollett wants us to believe that there's two white racist Trump supporters lurking in the shadows of Chicago late at night
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before
9: my kid's PTA meeting.
0: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
9: I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Holding nooses in their hands, wearing mega hats, waiting to hurl, hurl, (coughs) excuse me, racial (coughs) epithets at a TV star. Near a subway sandwich shop at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, is any of that, even, I mean, that, if we believe Jesse, those two guys are still out there with nooses, aren't they?
10: Uh Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty careful about libel. But in this case, I'll just bluntly say on the record, there's no chance uh, Jussie, Mr. Smollett, is telling the truth. Speaking is a legal professional and just a guy who can read and has eyes. Um, in this particular case, the thing that's amazing about this case is the police found the suspect. I mean, this was excellent police work. I mean, they broke down the camera footage from every camera on every high-rise building in this neighborhood that's known as Streeterville, and I'm from Chicago. So this is a neighborhood. It's our sort of young, professional neighborhood that has probably more people than the city of Buffalo. Cops looked through <laughs> every hour of this monotonous footage. They found two big African-American-looking guys. They tracked down two guys that fit that bill using Jesse Smollett's phone records. They brought them in, and the guys confessed. And they don't even seem like bad guys. They said oh. what happened was that our Rich Buddy, basically, Mr. Smollett, paid us to do this, and here's the check from him, signed by him, for physical development. Like, there's no question about what happened here. The only two options are, one, this was a hoax, or two two Nigerian immigrants who are proud black men are also secretly racists and dressed up in Donald Trump gear and beat up Jesse Smollett because they hate black people.
8: Those are the (laughs) only two possible options because they
10: have the suspects. The suspects were two big hooded African-American guys, and that's who they got in these Olsen Dario brothers. So there's no chance that there's anything else that could have happened. The only... Jussie Smollett is distracting from this. He's refusing to say what happened. Sure. Right. I don't blame him. He's saying... Neither do I. I mean, I, I would... There's an element almost of – you don't want to diagnose people. This happens too often on the right and the left. But if he did everything he's accused of, there's probably an element of clinical sociopathy there um, where he is now saying, I don't want to say exactly what happened. All I know is my truth. I was the victim of a crime. The reality, And he may even come to believe this over a certain period of time. I've seen that happen with yeah. criminal defendants before. Sure. But the, the plain fact is they have these two Nigerian guys who are recent immigrants to the USA. They seemed before this to be pretty honorable businessmen. They were physical trainers. They were featured extras on uh, Empire. When they were talked to by the cops, because of fear, but also I think because of real guilt, they confessed. So we know what happened. We have a written statement from two guys (laughs) that seem like fairly trustworthy people saying this is what occurred. So all of Jussie Smollett's comments about like, I still know that he said today, I'm not going to stop fighting for marginalized people. He's never going to stop. Never.
2: Keep fighting. Keep fighting. And how does this fit in to a larger diatribe, because in Jesse Smollett's world, in liberal world, there's always those lurking Trump supporters rating to beat you up because of your skin color or sexual orientation. But give me how, when you wrote the book uh, Hate Crime Hoax, How does this fit in? Give me some other examples of the hate crime hoax perpetuated by the left to sell a fake race war, race riots. Michael Brown, and because of the coverage of CNN in Ferguson, Missouri, night after night after night after night, it was drilled down in the heads of people that— that Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot. He was just walking around, a couple of skidoos in his hand, and got killed when the truth came out from the FBI. By the way, it was Obama's FBI that said, wait a minute, because of the elliptical shape of the blood droplets when Michael Brown stopped to run toward Officer Darren Wilson, we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt through witnesses and a forensic evidence, this guy charged the police and tried to kill the cop in his car and used the cop's gun to try to shoot the cop when he shot himself. We can prove that, but the media didn't do that. The media wants to ferment racial discord. Why is that? Why does the media is invested in separating the races?
10: Well, there's okay. So there's a lot there. I mean, uh, first of all, I think it's a pretty good analysis of the Michael Brown situation. I will say, uh, my understanding is Darren Wilson did shoot Michael Brown while he was being
4: attacked. I don't, it, it, Brown,
2: I don't it, you know. Yeah, the gun was in his holster, and Mike Brown was halfway in the car, beating beating the face of the. Of the, and he's yeah, he pulling out his gun and shot uh, Michael Brown, and Michael Brown's blood was in, but it didn't aim to shoot He was pulling it out. They were struggling over the oh. gun, and if Darren Wilson didn't win the struggle, he'd be dead right now.
10: Well, I'm not uh, okay. So again, first of all, I'm pretty pro-police. The reason I've uh, given commentary on that case before is actually that I'm a pistol instructor for the National Rifle Association. So I haven't really done a lot of expert work in that role. But I did read uh, the Darren Wilson report. I was curious about it, and my understanding is that Brown did attack Wilson. There was a scuffle. These are big men. Brown is six five. Wilson six four. And Wilson did shoot him, which is justifiable probably under the circumstances. I mean, but at any rate, um, the Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin stuff. Actually, to give a plug, appears in my next book, uh, Taboo, The Difficulty and Importance of Discussing Race and Class, I consciously did not put those cases in hate crime hoax because I think that's a little bit different. I do think that most narratives around race in the USA are kind of made up. So if a leftist, or for that matter, an alt writer, presents a racial story like black woman discriminated against in Starbucks, something like that, it's a pretty good bet it's a fake. Most people in modern America today, this is true for whites, whites should also recognize it's true for blacks, Asian Americans, aren't walking up to one another in the coffee shop and punching each other in the face. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no. So when you hear these wild stories, I was beaten by five Irishmen, you know, you should think, how often does that happen? How often do five Irishmen beat someone? And you should come to your logical conclusions about that. In terms of hate crime hoaxes, what I'm doing is using the governmental definition of a hate crime, which is a felony or serious misdemeanor motivated by animus, which can be against blacks. It's important to remember it counts also be against Whites, any race, uh, sexual orientation, veteran status. Uh, political party, ridiculously, is not included, neither social class, but uh, disability, uh, transgender status, whatever you might think of that category. But, um, so that's a hate crime. It's an incident motivated by these sorts of bias. And a hate crime hoax, to me, is where someone claims that an attack on them or an attack somewhere in their community was motivated by this kind of bias. And it turns out to have been done either by the person complaining or by someone very different from the individuals that were accused, which is right. usually white. So talking about these, I mean, you asked for some examples. I oh, we went into a little sideline there. But I mean, most of the high profile, widely publicized recent hate crime incidents in my Thought out a thing and have uh, been revealed as hoaxes. So obviously, you have Jussie Smollett. I'm going to continue to call that a hoax. Uh, a week before that, you had Covington Catholic, where this right. group of prep school athletes right, right. was accused of surrounding a Native American Indian shaman, chanting, <laughs> Build the Wall. I mean, Imagine saying that to an Indian. Um, trying to take his people's sacred rain drum. I mean, it's not my religion, but that's pretty offensive behavior. Never happened. Never happened. Uh, yes. Yasmin Sweet, and it was just two groups of guys fighting, and the white guys didn't even start the argument. It was adult men were yelling at them. There's no story there at all. National story for a week. The real story there is three groups of men argue, you know, white men didn't start it. It's not, that's not even backstage local news. But, um, Yasmin Saeed, the claim that in uh, on the New York City subway, a group of white Trump supporters attacked this beautiful young Muslim woman, ripped her hijab, threatened violence. Eastern Michigan, where you had graffiti appear across a college campus uh, targeting black people, allegedly written by a black student. Air Force Academy, where a general, Jay Silveria, whose books on leadership I read, had to show up to speak out against racism before it turned out that all the incidents were perpetuated by minority cadets. Uh key in
2: well, college yeah. with the de- Yeah, go go but the point is, what is it, Professor, in in the minds of many minorities that they want to create crime when it doesn't happen? Does it justify their view of the world because well, they're not being assaulted? They want to create an assault because it justifies their viewpoint. I think to some extent one thing
10: I will say there, again, what a- A lot of these crimes that are allegedly pro-minority crimes involve whites, not minorities. Uh, I'm not saying my group, African-Americans, is completely innocent. I don't think anybody is. Um, But the crazy left in the USA, like African-Americans tend to vote for moderate to conservative Democrats, which is, I think, a problem. The vote needs to be split a little bit. But the crazy left, like the people with painted faces and shaved heads screaming on college campuses, seem to be privileged upper-middle-class Caucasian kids. Yeah, and yeah. we see that we see that a lot. Like I they may like the idea of minorities being kind of stalking horses to fight for socialism. But if you go to an Antifa rally, if you go to a Bernie Sanders event, that's gonna be ninety nine percent Caucasian. Why? I have nothing against Caucasians at all, but that, that is worth noting. That's that communist Why? Why? Because I I think that communism is an upper-middle-class urban phenomenon in the United States uh, concentrated among whites. Black people, if you look at military service rates and so on, church attendance, we have a lot of problems in our community but tend to be fairly patriotic. Um, There's a temptation that's directed at black people, and also now at recent Hispanic immigrants used to be Italian immigrants as well. And that temptation is don't you want to be totally subsidized by the system?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You you have a great point. You go to a Bernie. I would never go to a Bernie Sanders rally. But when I do, uh, I see a bunch of upper middle class, especially white females, outraged at the treatment they give to black Americans. And black Americans are generally saying, one other before I let you go, a a lot of people are pretending to be something they're not. Senator Kamala Harris pretends to be an African-American. Her father was a Jamaican. Her mother was from India. Uh, she uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren pretends to be an Indian. Beto O'Rourke pretends to be Hispanic. How come the most prominent and then Joe Biden is complaining about being white? How come race is like the predicate of the Democratic primary when most of us care about our individual individualized about health care, about gasoline prices, about jobs? But whether it's Kamala Harris, who wants to be African-American when she isn't, or Elizabeth Warren wanting to be an Indian when she isn't, or Beto O'Rourke want to be Hispanic when he isn't, or Joe Biden, who's white, doesn't want to be white, say, I apologize for being white. What? What is that?
10: Well, one thing that's interesting, I, I'm black and Irish, uh, Chicago Irish, where people are really proud of that, and it's weird to see Irish guys like Robert Francis O'Rourke uh, calling himself Beto and <laughs> pretending. I mean, that, Why? that is odd. I mean, that, that itself was an oppressed identity for quite a while, so that's it's odd from a fellow Irishman. But anyway, um, I think that the short answer to your question is that The core narrative that holds together the American activist left, not every union worker that votes for the Democrats, but the activist left, is that the old wars never ended. We never stopped fighting each other with minorities getting the worst of it. So that's why there's this constant talk about racism and the invention of these new kinds of racism as the old variety fades, white privilege, cultural appropriation.
8: Uh, It's
10: no exaggeration, speaking as a former businessman, to say that about a tenth of the U.S. economy is linked in some way to these Diversity initiatives. If you look at affirmative Money. action, Money. minority set aside, yeah, Money. the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah, you're saying it shorter and better. Southern Money. Poverty Law Center's budget, uh, five hundred million dollars.
4: Yeah, that's
10: their endowment. Their budget actually I think is a little bigger on an annualized basis. But why do you? shout out every marginal example of racism because your billion dollar budget depends on you doing it
2: to some extent well it's no, all it's, about no. money well we got to run but professor did a uh, thank you we're going to have you on as often as i can the book is hate crime hoax and how do the american people like tony bender how do we get a hold of you
10: my best uh, the best route to reach me as a younger guy is probably social media so i'm very active on facebook the original platform uh wilfred riley w-i-l-f-r-e-d riley spelled as you probably think i'm also on Twitter, um, my Twitter pro my handle is Will Da Beast W I L L D A B E E S T six three zero at the Twitter platform. That's a joke about my old uh, phone prefix and Jersey number. Okay. So uh, I definitely I've gotten a bit of coverage following the publication of the book, but I'm still a normal taxpayer. If you reach out
2: to me, I'll talk to you. All right, Professor Wilford Riley, and you also teach there, Kentucky State University. Thanks for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show, and my friend will do it again. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Thanks for having me. God bless America. Let's continue with more. It comes down to money. There's money in racial separation. CNN, MSNBC has made a fortune on the the Russian collusion delusion with Trump, and they're making money on racial separation. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham here, The Great American, live with you every Sunday night. Hi, Billy Cunningham, The Great American. Thanks for listening tonight. I want to take a matter of personal radio talk show host privilege. Later this week, I'm going to have a TAVR procedure done, transcatheter aortic valve replacement, TAVR. God willing, it'll be uh, done through my femoral artery to replace my aortic valve, which is bicuspid and uh, not doing well. And then they tell me, my doctor tells me at the Ohio Heart Center, I'll, Dr. Dean Kariakis, that I'll be off for about uh, one week. So next Sunday, I'll have a sub in, and then I'll be back with you two weeks from uh, two weeks from tonight. I ask your prayers. Over the next several days, if you're a practicing Roman Catholic, maybe you light a candle for me. I am told that uh, these procedures take about one hour, that I'll be in intensive care for about 24 hours and released. So a TAVR means they go through the femoral artery to replace the aortic valve uh, in my heart instead of open-heart surgery, which could be a much more lengthy procedure. Because of the competence and because of the confidence and because of the experience I have in Dr. Dean Karyakis, I'm confident that uh, it'll be a taver procedure, in which case I'll be back with you two weeks uh, from tonight. I'll have a sub in for me next Sunday, and I beg your indulgences, and I, I beg your prayers over the next few days. Bill Cunningham, live with you every Sunday night.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?